0: All right, Major League Journeyman. We are mostly in attendance. The summer of soccer. We got Dax McCarty here. Our compatriot Alan Gordon out on sabbatical. We're we Dax. Are we are we certain that this is just temporary? Is this permanent? How, how do we feel about this? I'm actually pretty excited that we don't have to listen to him today. But how are you feeling about it?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's just typical Bordo, you know. There's a um, <laughs> there are rumors floating around that he got the times mixed up. There are rumors floating around that his agent is is putting out transfer rumors and, and he was not allowed to train today. Um, a lot of a lot of rumors and innuendo out there, but um, I'm, I'm pretty happy I don't have
0: to look at him today. I got to be honest. I think he went to Saudi to do some recon. He's just trying to make my comments spot on, which I can appreciate. Gordo, thank you he, for doing the work. He's he, moving our podcast to Saudi Arabia. I put, we're, I, we're all going to get paid.
1: I put central time in the group chat for our time, you know, that we normally uh, do it. But I, I neglected to um, think about Saudi time what time Saudi it is time, over there. Right. Yeah, yeah, so I, that's my fault. I'll take responsibility for that, but um, I'm pretty excited it's just us.
0: The iPhone calendar doesn't work as well in the desert, <laughs> so I'm sure we'll get uh we may get a FaceTime here in a few minutes. You never know, Gordo, but what I want to talk about, which I'm uh, not entirely sure how much context he has to any or has to add anyway is is League's Cup and you coming off but uh, arguably one of the biggest results of your season. Um, talk about the game. I mean, you obviously finished it up, which was a pretty special moment for you personally, but give me a little color on Cincinnati, kind of the, the feel of the game, you know, getting started. Was it different? Did it feel different being in league's cup?
1: You know what, man, it, it, it felt a little bit different. Just, I think we, we, we hit on it a little bit in our, our last pod the entire like lead up and build up to actual kickoff, the whole procession of what that looks like is completely different than an MLS game. Um, and I, I gotta be honest, man, it it felt, uh, it felt more like a playoff game than, than these other regular season games have for us. And I, I want to say that, the lead up to the game w- was a little bit um, a, a little bit odd for us because we've had a rough month in, in Nashville and add on to the fact that we've lost to them twice in the league, right and our mm-hmm. last performance, funny enough before League's Cup uh, was in Cincinnati where we lost three one and we had a few guys sent off. Um, yep. you know it, it was a it was a very cathartic uh, win I'll, I'll say that. Uh, It was a win that I think we needed uh, for our confidence. It was a win that I think we needed for our mentality. Um, And look, we've talked about Cincinnati a lot on this podcast. I've given them a lot of praise, which I think they've deserved, rightfully so. Mm -hmm. They're one of the best teams in the league that I've seen, Mm -hmm. that I've played against. um, And the things that they do within the formation that they play, uh, they make it difficult to defend them. And then you add on to the fact that they're unbeaten at home where they haven't lost, Where they're riding high, where they have uh, an MVP candidate in Lucho Acosta who just makes things so difficult on you in midfield. The fact that, you know, we were five to 10 minutes away from getting an outright win in regulation and, you know, we concede another penalty, which it feels like we've either gotten a red card or a penalty in like 10 consecutive games. um, Mm -hmm. We could have crumbled, honestly. We we could have. And we could have gone into penalties with low on confidence, but we've had some really good meetings and some good, uh, some good conversations as a team to try to get us back on track. And the moment was was fantastic for us because we all talked about in the huddle before penalties, step up, shoot a penalty with confidence. And I don't know if you know uh, much about Nashville SC's h- history and penalties, Dan. It's not mm. really positive. We've had a few penalty okay. shootouts that we've lost in, in the playoffs. And, you know, the only one... That we ended up actually winning was against Club America. Funny enough, ironically enough, in a friendly last year. Hmm. Um, so okay. there's a little, there's a little good. bit of That's good context. I like there's this. there's a little bit of foreshadowing there. But um, I, I just I have to say, like when Gary asked me if I wanted to shoot fifth, I was like, absolutely, no, no questions asked. And honestly, I I did miss my last penalty for Nashville SC, but we were already winning. We were in Vancouver. I think we were winning like three zero or something like that. So, um, I, you know, I, I uh. I needed a little you bit up? more pressure left or right. I went, I went left, uh, my left keepers, right. So Changing I switched it up. it up a little bit. Yep. I switched it up a little bit, but obviously like every shooter that went before me, everyone was super confident. And like all the guys completely buried their penalties and didn't give the goalkeeper a chance. And that just gave me so much confidence to step up, pick a corner and put it away. And Elliot Panico, uh, doing his best Peter check impression, coming in, making a big save on, on Matt Miazga. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think we could have asked for a better, uh, a better kind of back against the wall moment, and and for us to get it done was really special. So yeah, Lee's Cup has been fun, man. On the whole, I know you've called. Uh, I don't know if you were able to see any of our games, but I know you've called a bunch of the um, the group stage games, and I'm just curious if, from your perspective right? You're not actually in it. You're not playing in it like I am, but you are watching a lot of games. You're able to, to be in the booth for a few of these games. Does it have a different feel for you? Do you think it has a different feel for a fan? I mean, I, I personally feel like as the tournament has gone on, it's just continued to pick up and gain momentum, right? Mm-hmm. With the craziness that's happening, obviously with, with Messi mania, which we'll hit on again, which we have to talk about, um, with, you know, the Mexican clubs, um, obviously spending the entire tournament on the road, right. That's another talking point. I'm, I'm curious from your perspective, how, how it feels and how it looks to you.
0: Dude, I, I love it. Uh, which like to start with, uh, I think there were some question marks about what the expectation was. How, how are these teams really going to take it? Were they going to take it seriously? Uh, it's in the middle of the summer. It's in the middle of the season. It's a weird, you know, a weird to just throw a tournament in the middle of the year. Yeah we've seen iterations of some of these competitions in in the past. We've talked about how no one really takes the open cup seriously. Was it going to look like that? You know, and what was it going to be? But to be honest, man, I, I've been in and granted Messi helps, right? I mean, the opener of it is Messi dropping bombs against Cruz Azul, (laughs) which was super cool to see. And I think every single game, he obviously (laughs) has a brace every game. So like, you're now, it's ridiculous appointment viewing to see Messi, but really you know just to so i called a bunch of these games um on the east coast which was like new york fc city fc um toronto who was in a bad way um, and then atlas and then was in the studio and this game in particular uh we went through the knockout rounds and what this was going to look like. And Toluca still hadn't played in Colorado. So it was kind of like the last game they were on a rain delay, whatever, but it it was the last kind of bracket to shake. I remember, was, I remember you texted me for,
1: I remember you texted me for a little bit of color on, on Toluca. So hopefully yeah. I was able to steer you in the right direction for you to be able oh, dude, to use you nailed, some of that.
0: You nailed it. Absolutely. I, I know where to go. I need. Mean, I know my <laughs> sources. Um, I wasn't texting Gordo. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, no, no, but listen, it's, it, your game in particular against Cincinnati, it had a different feel just looking at it and just yeah. looking at the dynamics of the game and then where League's Cup was heading and the energy and the emotion around it. I think that these Mexican clubs, it took things maybe a little lightly. And now, you know, MLS clubs are are holding their own and they're going yeah. toe-to-toe with all of these clubs. Obviously, you know, the big three, maybe Monterey. And Tigres, um, Club Club America, America, you know, these are, these are some Mexican giants, right? And, and they are, man, watching that Club America Columbus game, like I was pumped. I was pumped to watch them smack America. And that was like, and I'm not a, I'm not a Columbus crew fan, but I loved seeing it because I love this idea of competition in the middle of the summer and it can get tough. Like you've obviously been in the league for 112 years and you know that July and August are tough games to get through, but now there's a different meaning to them and, and teams are taking it seriously. I think the Mexican clubs have a little bit of a chip on their shoulder. And then you have, you know, this, this MLS like tournament that is meaningful, which like I don't think it's going anywhere. I think, you know, the Mexican fans that are showing up, whether they're traveling from Mexico or in the cities that the games are like, I think it's a really cool environment and it raises, it raises a level. It gives it a different complexion.
1: I got to say, Dan, the, you don't know how much of a motivating factor money is until you actually like, it actually starts to dawn on you that like you're going, you're going a little bit further and each game you get paid the same bonus. I mean, the the money is it. it, Look, I, I have to say, that's the right thing to do in order to get the players to really engage and go for it. Uh, and honestly, do you guys that's, have
0: Do you guys have a dollar amount that you know each win is worth?
1: Um, I, some of the guys were talking about it, but it's it, I, I can't I can't remember exactly what it was, but it's significant, man, and, and it makes a difference, right? It, it's like is it like that's
0: f- fifteen grand a game, like somewhere in that ballpark? Like what are no, we I
1: think about? it's a little bit less than that per player. Um, okay. I think we're talking like, I, I honestly, I don't even know, but it's a little bit less Whatever. than that, but it's still
0: worthwhile. But still
1: worthwhile. Is. I mean, that's, yeah. that's some of the things where guys are talking about it. And it's also the CONCACAF champions league spots. I think you get mm-hmm. three, I think there's three CONCACAF champions league spots right. up for grabs. And that, so, so the money along with the CONCACAF champions league spots, along with, of course, every player, it should go without saying you want to win trophies that when they're available to you. Right. Yep. And, Look, it's funny, like some fan bases, some clubs might prioritize it a little bit differently in terms of like, how can we get some guys some rest? How can we bring in some new players? How can we get uh, maybe players that we brought in, you know, kind of up to speed with MLS play and what that looks like? Um, I think you're seeing like a team like Miami is like the perfect example of why I think this was the perfect introduction for Messi, right? If if they get on a roll like they are, right, everyone gets more games with Messi, they continue to build out their system with mm-hmm. Tata, and mm-hmm. they continue to get fitness, right? And if if they were to lose early, then you could say, oh, well, you know, we're going to use this. It doesn't matter. We're going to use this time safe. to, right. to get guys. It's, it's very safe. It's very It's a safe right. out because, look, it is a new tournament, and you'll see that, like, yeah, the teams that are still in it, we want to win this thing, man. Like, let's go mm-hmm. for it. We want to win it. The bonuses are great, and we want to play in the Concacaf Champions League. The teams that mm-hmm. are out. This is a good reset for us. We take mm-hmm. we take a few days off. We get and players impromptu healthy.
0: Vacation. It's an impromptu vacation. Get the rest it's that a little looking for. exactly. It's a yep. little
1: bit of a win win. So I think it's been. Yep a really refreshing thing for MLS because, like you mentioned earlier, the summer months can turn into an absolute slog. And look, mm-hmm. it's hot, man. Like, it's hot in the summer. Like, that Dallas game, we'll, we'll probably yep. touch on the Inter-Miami FC Dallas game here in a second. I mean, yep. it looked it just looked hot. You know, the mm-hmm. players were, were actually playing with a lot more intensity than I would have expected. And it's probably because Messi and Inter Miami are <laughs> on the field
0: degrees at eight o'clock at night. Yeah,
1: exactly. But, but listen, man, I've been pleasantly surprised. Um, it's been a really good tournament for for us at Nashville SC because, you know, we've been able to, uh, essentially work through some of the kinks that we've had in our regular season. And I think we're just building confidence now to not only go far in this tournament, but also to try to, to have a strong end of the regular season with 10 games left. So Yeah, man, I've had a lot of fun with this thing.
0: So two questions here coming out of that that answer. Um, One specific to Leagues Cup and one specific to Nashville. So let's start with the Leagues Cup. Leagues Cup, do you feel like there is still a Mexican dominance in North America? I think that they've been and rightfully so deservedly so expected to be better teams expected as a as a higher tier league than mls now we're playing them as in we as in mls you know a former player myself but you're you're current do you feel like it's the same i mean everything that we played them up until this point we faced them in preseason, where we're on a layoff for a long time we go in They would be much fitter, much stronger, much more informed, and they would smack us for the most part. Now, did we put up a fight? Absolutely. And could we get a result? For sure. But I think the results and the representation of this league in this tournament, and granted, there's some different dynamics. You mentioned that Mexican teams are on the road for everything. But do you feel like it's the same being in the league now? Do you feel like the respect is, is... shifting is it moving i do in a different direction and i
1: have and i have a perfect example of why i do think that the um perception and the reality of mls versus Liga mx is totally different than it was even 10 15 years ago uh my old coach who coached me with the chicago fire velko panovich coaches uh-huh. one of the biggest one of the biggest teams in mexico chivas
0: i saw i saw these comments did you see yeah. these comments and he, he, they, he got, they were knocked out and he got ripped too yeah, but listen, sometimes... I listen, I don't think he's wrong. I think he's right. He,
1: he essentially said, for people that don't know what he said, he coaches Chivas, which is one of the top three or four biggest clubs in Mexico. They were knocked out in uh, the group stages, I think, with two yep. losses, is it? They lost to yep. Cincinnati and Cincinnati Sporting Kansas and City. Cincinnati
0: Kansas City, yep.
1: He basically said, look, this is, this is where we're at. Like, we need to catch up to these clubs, You know, Mm -hmm. we are not basically the elite anymore. And I found those comments a little bit alarming coming from one of the biggest clubs in North America. But also, like, I think there's a little bit of a dose of reality there because he's talking, I think, about the investment from MLS in young players, the investment in infrastructure. He's talking about the investment in training facilities. He's just talking about the total package of, I think, what MLS has done the last, let's call it seven or eight years to really be i think surpassing mexico overall look the, the the big 3 in in monterey um tigres and club america i still think they're the alpha dogs in this region and i think mm-hmm. they all three of those teams have put on really dynamic good performances and i think it's i think it needs to be noted that using league's cup as just a a barometer of where the, the leagues are is a little bit unfair because every MLS team is playing every game at home and the Mexican mm-hmm. teams are playing on the road. And I think, mm-hmm. especially now, that that is the great equalizer. And now, especially when the talent is is relatively even, I think that playing in front of your fans at your stadiums where, Dan, you remember 20 years ago or 15 years ago, if you were going to play against a Mexican club, they were probably going to be more Mexican fans at the stadium than your own fans. Now, Mm -hmm. other than about, other than like maybe the Chicago fire club America game where there were a ton of club America fans at Toyota stadium. Yeah. Yeah. Like you, you have genuine MLS support that is there pushing their team forward and along. And there's a genuine home field advantage there. So I think the Mexican clubs certainly have a gripe about being on the road for as long as they'll be on the road for. But to answer your question, there's zero question in my mind that MLS has caught up to Liga MX. Now, Liga MX, the top teams still have so much quality and so much depth that you have you you can't say that any MLS team has really, I think, outdone them. I was a little bit naive in terms of like the LAFC, Leon, remember the CONCACAF Champions League final? I was like, mm-hmm. LAFC is the best team, they're going to win. And then Leon mm-hmm. kind of came and like, showed them they, like exactly, they, 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 they put it on them and they played them off the park. Yep. And now that yep. kind of gave me a little bit of a dose of reality to like, Hey, listen, yes, MLS has come a long way, but like the Mexican clubs, the top clubs, they're still, they're still, we're still chasing them a little bit. Right. And so I'll be curious to see how the end of leagues cup plays out. I'll be curious to see which one of the MLS teams can step up and maybe take one of those powers down. I mean, obviously we play club America tomorrow. Uh, I don't know if we'll have this recording out before the game, but um, I, I can just tell you that there's not a fear factor anymore. Like we respect the mm-hmm. hell out of those clubs. Like they are the big, they're the giants of the region, but we're not scared of them. We're, we're, we're going for the game uh, unequivocally hundred percent. And I know we're excited about it. So that's the way I see it.
0: Yeah, no. And that's, I, I think that's being seen and, and you guys, all, all of these teams in a lot of ways are really showing that. I mean, just Salt Lake's result against Leon. They they got pushed around in the first half and the second half they came out and dropped three on them and they were the dominant team. Sporting Kansas City absolutely smashed Chivas. I don't know if you watched that yeah, game but they didn't. they put it they put it on them. They possessed, they possessed in the deep in the deepest block. They they moved Chivas around. They couldn't get anywhere near it and within like 20 25th minute, Chivas was done. They were they were dead. And Sporting is a team that's what like mid table right now exactly Maybe and best, how about and and, and how about
1: how about Vancouver Vancouver losing to Tigres in penalties mm-hmm. and it takes a Geniac yep. stunner like bicycle yep. kick to get Tigres back in the game that result right there i mean i was like okay Vancouver cuz i've always thought Vancouver was was a good good team but like going toe to toe with Tigres who a lot of people probably consider the best team in North America for the past you know 10 years I mean, that's that's really impressive. It's an impressive look for MLS to, to be not just hanging on for dear life against these teams.
0: Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's so there was a number of, of really good matchups that we were looking at. But also for me, you know, to say, okay, Tigres, Tigres Monterey is up. LAFC is playing Salt Lake. Uh, but even looking at just... You know what's the most exciting matchups? The Columbus-Minnesota matchup was one I was like, I can't wait to watch this game because Crazy. I can't wait to see what Reynoso can do because he's absolutely unbelievable right now. He's been so good. Right been so good. But, and that's like, I mean, I think that what we are saying is is everything that Major League Soccer could have hoped for. And for you as a player currently, to be in the middle of august and not catching, you know, that that impromptu vacation that some of these mls clubs are getting. It's it almost feels like no matter which way it has shaken out for any of these clubs, it's been a net positive. It's a, it's so, a net positive, no
1: question, no question. Right?
0: Yeah. So that's pretty it's pretty good, man. I have I've really enjoyed it and I'm going to keep watching and I think it's been fun it's been fun to see and we the have other to, thing I, is like what happens next year? Like what happens yeah. when they bring in the top flight of the Argent, you know, Argentinian league, or the top flight of Brazil, and you know some of these clubs start coming in, and then it grows even bigger. Or but you know what? They ship but it but out you know what I'm Saudi. thinking, Dan?
1: I, I, yeah, they ship they they ship they ship the uh, the league's cup off to Saudi Arabia. Yeah, that'll be the day. I'm cu- I'm just curious to see. Like, I don't know. I, I think the format in general will stay the same next year, but like. I don't know how you get away with playing it strictly in the U S like I'm curious to see if, if, if it's like, Hey, role reversal, guess what MLS mm-hmm. teams, you're all, you're going down to Mexico. Like you're playing yeah. all these games in Mexico. I, I don't know. Cause I I'm, I'm certain that's going to be discussed and that's going to be a topic of conversation for the Liga MX clubs.
0: I just think the finances are, they must be too strong to be uh, even considering taking this show on the road to Mexico. I mean, it just seems like everything is coming to the U S and everybody is more than willing to, to bring a tournament or bring their club or bring whoever to the United States of America. I don't know. I I can't see that. That's why I'm glad with with the success.
1: That's why I'm glad Leo is in MLS, right? Like, are you really going to tell Messi, Hey, you're going to go down to Mexico for a month and play in this tournament. Like, and Leo's going to be like, no, nah. I'm going to play most of my games in, in Miami. I'll go on the road in <laughs> Dallas for a little bit. And you're going to continue to put my games on Apple I'll TV. Tell you what, it,
0: it probably would have, uh, it may have gone over better prior to him having to go and play in Dallas in 102 degree heat. If oh, that conversation man. was had last week. But after that one, uh, I'd have to think that Leo did, Leo's did you watch a, that game? Putting a hard pause on a lot of that. I watched. Did, I got to see parts of it. Um, I didn't get oh, a, to see it from God. from start to finish. But he's unbelievable, man. That Thanks.
1: game was so Dan. That game was so drunk. It was actually crazy watching that game.
0: <laughs> why? Why? Do you I, first of all,
1: that? first of all, I I look. We're we're quick to point out like deficiencies in in either games we watch or you know issues we have with refs. The ref in the game, I thought, was fantastic. And okay. I have... Uh, th- did you watch the Inter-Miami-Orlando game?
0: I did, yes.
1: The, the, the ref was atrocious. And Agreed. I think Orlando has every right to feel aggrieved about the way that that game went. Because for what sure. we spoke about, for our loyal, loyal journeyman listeners, we mm. spoke about it when Messi first signed. You mm. know the games are going to be called differently and the pendulum of of referee whistles was so far in Miami and Messi's favor, it was actually crazy. And I think there could be a real fear of an overcorrection, right? I just want to see a game called in a normal way where Messi's not overprotected and and the referee has full control of the game. That's exactly what I felt like happened in the Dallas game. Because in the mm-hmm. Orlando game, it went completely off the rails. Like... It just felt like yeah. everything was being called in Miami's favor. The, yep. the penalty kick that was called against Orlando early in the second half that led to the, the second goal was horrific. Yep. And yep. there's a moment, I don't know if you remember this moment, but there was a moment where Miami last night got, got the game back to, I believe it was 3-2, right? Kramoski comes into the game, Jordi Alba, Amazing cutback. He scores
0: that the cutback, yeah.
1: Kromoski scores. It's 3-2. There's a yep. moment where Miami has the ball, and it goes into your boy Joseph Martinez at the top of the box. 50-50 challenge. Minimal contact, but Joseph throws himself onto the uh, onto the turf, and the referee swallows his whistle. He doesn't make a call, which I think was the right call because it wasn't mm-hmm. a foul. And yep. Miami ends up or, uh, Dallas ends up going down, and they score the f- fourth goal with Robert Taylor scoring the own goal. Everyone, even Twellman on the broadcast was like, I'm really curious if this goes to VAR and they overturn it because there might be a foul in the buildup. And I'm thinking, I'm pulling my hair out thinking the referee saw the play. You can't overturn this because it would be absolutely ridiculous. And I'm glad that he didn't, right? And he called a fair game and he called, he didn't call. Uh, little nitpicky fouls, right? He let them play, which is why I think it was such an exciting game, man. That game last night was off the rails. One of the worst own goals I've ever seen in my entire life from mm. Marco Farfan. What was that? I have no idea.
0: I he I clearly gen- blacked out and just finished the finished the play.
1: I genuinely got a text last right? night. I got a text last night about, hey, is this match fixing? And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like laughing about it. I'm like, I mean, surely it's not, but like, dude, what are you doing? You want to you want to say man. you scored a, on a free kick off Messi? That's one thing, but <laughs> that I feel genuinely bad I for Dallas. On the
0: same field that Messi was on, <laughs> Just not the Dan, right side of Dan,
1: I feel bad for Dallas because they should have won that game. Like Dallas, Dallas played well. Messi was fantastic, but Alan Velasco, another Argentine, was the best player on the field. Um, mm-hmm. Not only attacking wise, but defensively, they they sat him on Busquets and he did not allow busquets to really get a, much of a rhythm in the game. And yeah. look, how, how do you if you're a coach trying to prep for Miami, you can you can go through all of the Xs and Os you want. How do you account for Messi just doing the things that he's doing? You can't account yeah, for we, it. What do you we say? We talked
0: about this, right? We talked about this a little bit because Busquets though, I think is the key. If yeah. they can turn off the faucet either to Busquets or from Busquets, you you cannot do anything about messi. messi is messi. he's the best of ever, right? but you can at least stem his uh the distribution from busquets to him because yeah. that's for me the linchpin of this miami team.
1: yeah. they they're, they're so, dude, they are so fluid in, in the attacking side of the ball. it's they like actually actu- it's actually insane to see how different of a team they are. and like let me just say like it's Lionel Messi going to play anywhere in the world, you know, maybe bar a few leagues. He's always going to look like the best player in the world because he still is one of the best players in the world.
0: (laughs) And he is is.
1: like, that's just a fact. And so you add in two or three other players of, you know, around his quality, right. With Jordi Alba and Busquets and even some of these young guys that they've signed look pretty good. Uh, Every, you can just tell in Miami, everybody looks like a different player. Like mm-hmm. everyone looks like a more confident, better version of themselves. And confident, it's just confident,
0: composed. It's, they're all a, just playing the best version of themselves. A lot of it is to do with
1: being on the field with a guy who just is almost unpressable in Busquets and a guy who can pull a rabbit out of a hat whenever he wants in Messi, but a lot of it Absolutely. is a lot of it has to do with coaching and Tata Martino I was, and I probably undersold how impressive of a coach this guy actually is because you can just see the little tactical wrinkles that are Mm -hmm. going on in the game that you know tata is is doing and it's it it looks like we're watching it it looks like we're watching the evolution of a team that said okay we don't have enough talent to compete to now we not only have enough talent to not just compete but dominate and we that's what we're going to do like that is Mm -hmm. exactly what we're going to do The 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 things that that Tata has going on in midfield with that team is actually incredible, right? The things Mm -hmm. that he has the fullbacks high and wide. He's got Arroyo playing as like a hybrid midfielder center back type of situation, right? He's got Messi, who like he tilts a little bit to the right, but he has freedom to go and pick his spots anywhere on the field. And the problem with the problem with what Messi does against Dallas, you want to Dallas did I thought a fantastic job of being so compact. And they kept the middle of the field so compact. And the center backs would step. And what Miami wants to do is combine. They want to play little one-twos through the middle mm-hmm. of the field to open you up, go wide, and get and crosses in the box. And then spring yeah. a guy. That, that Dallas turned off the little combination play through the middle. But in doing that, you leave yourself exposed in the wide areas. And that's why Jordi Alba was so good. And that's why he got two assists, which the, the cut back to Messi was like... I couldn't. Be, I'm like, am I watching Prime Barca of in like 2014? <laughs> like, what? I'm like, Dallas is so worried about the box that they yep. forget that the best player on the field is actually ghosting in on the uh, 20 yards out, and it's just, it was just so, it was so amazing to see that man. And I feel bad for Dallas because I, I genuinely thought they were the better team and they should have won the game. But you can't account for Messi's greatness, man. And it's just, it feels like we speak on this every pod, but like, it's almost like you can't resist it. You can't resist talking about this guy,
0: dude. He's unbelievable. I, I was talking with <laughs> I was talking with my wife, and she was like, "How do you feel about you know the, the, some of the comments that are coming out? You know, do you feel like it's disparaging towards MLS like and, and Messi having the success that he is?" And my my reaction is this is and this is me personally. I'm not playing on the field with him today, but he's still the greatest of all time and I feel like people are forgetting this idea that he was just (laughs) dominating league one he was just won a world cup literally walked off being the best player in the world cup outside of maybe killing Mbappe but either way he didn't win and he's come to a league now that has to respect his greatness and figure it out and he also has Tata Martino it just who is probably arguably the best coach that this league has ever seen so you have all these things and and it almost feels silly for people to discount how good he is and how good he is today and i and I feel like you know my my reaction to to her saying that but also to people saying that is just these are just novices that really just don't understand the game and don't appreciate Correct. what we're actually witnessing right now, now because it is incredible the
1: only thing I'll say is that I agree with you for the most part I think you're right but what Messi has done. And I think in general, when a lot of these great players come to MLS, I I don't want to say that he's exposed the lack of, I guess, def- quality defending, because I think mm-hmm. they're there, but he's just exposed, I think a little bit of a lack of, t- of collective tactical awareness with MLS teams. Right. And a lot of it has to do on the defending side of the ball, but like, the things that are happening in these MLS games with Messi, it's not so much really bad defending because Messi can expose anyone. It's just Messi is operating and Busquets is operating and Jordi Alba, these guys are operating on such a higher level of tactical Mm -hmm. understanding of where space is that by the time they've put together three or four passes, MLS, like the, the tactics of MLS, like... The defending, it's not so bad. It's just these guys are playing at such a higher level on the attacking side of the ball that it makes everyone look bad. And that's genuinely how I feel. But there are some instances where, like, the first goal with Dallas last night. Like, as soon as the ball goes wide, as soon as the ball goes to Jordi Alba, those three midfielders that FC Dallas has in front of the back line, one of them should be... Forget about dropping into the box. Like, just find where Messi is. Like, that's it, right? There's no, that's there's not a complicated tactical plan surrounding that how, thought.
0: Yeah, it's amazing how easily he loses everyone. I mean, it, you know, the, the set pieces are one thing. Messi set pieces, obviously, it's been, you, you know, they're incredible, right? That's a write-off. For me, right. But for me, it's watching his movement. His movement Correct. is otherworldly I mean it's so good and it can expose
1: it can expose anyone at the highest level
0: it has it has exactly everyone at every level
1: so what I would say is like my thought process if I'm going into a game playing against Messi which obviously we will do that here in in a few weeks time like you can't just have your entire game plan wrapped around stopping him because they have other players that can hurt you but it's like hey guys let's make sure that like There's a light bulb that goes off in everyone's head when we are playing to just, no matter what's happening in front of you, know where Messi is. Because in an instant, you know, like, it's so funny the gravitational pull this guy has. Every single player Mm -hmm. on the field on his team is looking to try to find him. They're trying to find him so that he can get the ball, he can draw defenders in, play a one-two, play it wide, and get in the box. Like, it's not... Messi's not going to go get in the box and be the first post runner. He's not running to the near post, okay? So mm-hmm. that area between the penalty spot and the 18-yard box, that's like as the precious real estate that you have to account for if you are going to defend crosses against him, right? And so, yes, yeah. I, I think the defending in MLS, it's just a little bit of tactical awareness for maybe some of these young guys, right? Like I thought Dallas played really well against him. They conceded four goals. I thought Orlando played really well against Miami. I thought they were the better team for large portions of that yeah. game. But they got undone by a little bit of naive defending and losing losing like losing track of where the best player that's ever lived was on the field, which if you do that, <laughs> you are going to be punished. So, look, I don't there's always going to be negative comments surrounding MLS. I think that's just a reality that every MLS player and every MLS fan has to live with, and that's yeah. fine, right? We're still you're still being talked about. Uh, because the greatest player ever has chosen to come and play here, right? And the league is, it's exciting. Like, look, I saw Alexi Lawless. I think he came out and he was like, I don't care about defending. I don't pay to see defending. I pay to see goals. I don't agree with that. Like, I think mm. there is, I think a championship team has to have good defending or I mean, else you know, you're not you know going to win. What saying
0: is, right? It is.
1: It is. But again, like, yes, for the excitement factor alone, this League's Cup and the things that Messi has provided have just been astronomical. It's been off the charts.
0: Yeah. I think that there's two two things there. And and just in terms of the defensive side of the ball as a former MLS defender and specifically as a former outside back, the amount of confidence that you can have in both the attack and and defending when you know that Sergio Busquets is in possession of the ball or Leo Messi is in possession of the ball or Jordi Alba has advanced and is in possession of the ball or you have Joseph Martinez tracking down the ball for you. Those... Those inches, feet, yards, space in front of you that you're able to take, it is completely transformed Miami's ability to be so fluid and so interchangeable and do so many different things and all those different wrinkles. And Tata Martino, you know, to his credit, think about those Atlanta teams. Dude, he revolutionized the way that this league played through Atlanta, through Leandro yeah. Perez and through Michael Parkhurst and Jeff Loreno, it's like completely changed those players and their capabilities and all of a sudden made them a distribution passing style style in, in, in their game model, which was also wild to watch because yeah. it hadn't really happened in MLS. So then you have that on the defensive side of the ball, the other, or the offensive side of the ball. Defensively, though, just dropping a Leo Messi on the field, it seems like these teams are defending with, emergency alarm bells at all times, because your point is very specific. Like how do you lose Messi? But these teams seem very much like, Oh shit, here comes Jordi Alba. What do we do? As opposed to just do what you do and defend the box, defend the spaces, defend the player. Right. And, and they are, it it almost seems like they're getting caught up in the moment, similar to the referee in Orlando who just got caught up in the moment. And he, you know, he's fanboying over Leo Messi as opposed to just calling the game, which there's going to be, I think, a maturation period or, or you know, just whatever that level set is going to be with, with these guys in, in the game. But it's been cool to see, and I'm excited to watch it play out. Uh, if you had to pick somebody outside of Nashville SC as the favorite to win Leagues Cup in this knockout round where we are right now, do you have a frontrunner of the games that you've watched?
1: Oh man. Tell you what, dude, it's been, it's been really fun to watch some of these games. Um, it, it it seems like the break that LAFC got not having to play in the group stage did them fantastically well. I mean, they absolutely mm-hmm. smashed Juarez. I think it was Rested seven recharged. Huh? I think it but was it seven. On, on I think it was seven one. I mean, I, I think, is if LAFC is getting some bodies healthy and, and some guys some rest, um, I don't know. I think Velo might have gone off injured in the last game, so I think there's a little bit of a question mark there. But, like, honestly, the most impressed gotta I was... Got
0: to get through a hot Salt Lake team and Salt, Salt, then ultimately Grace or Monterey. T- yeah. Not the tough. easiest path to Salt the Salt Lake,
1: man. Salt Lake is doing some wonderful things. I, I want to give really are. <laughs> so much credit to not just Pablo Mastroeni, but like the front office for bringing in guys like Chicho Rango. This guy, have you called to their game? This guy Ojeda, who's a central midfielder for them. Dude, he's awesome. What, what a player. I'm like, Salt Lake <laughs> yeah. is doing some really impressive things and I like them a lot. I think they're a dark horse. My uh, the, the Mexican team I was most impressed with um, was actually Monterey uh, and yeah. what they were able to do in Seattle. Uh, but they did lose one of their best players. I do believe bertarame their striker, broke maybe broke his foot. I think.
0: Oh, did he really? That's I a didn't big. See that.
1: That's a big loss. I think in he, Portland. I think he, no, in in Seattle. They played Seattle.
0: Yeah, I know, but I I thought he was on the field against Portland. This oh, last did round. did
1: is that who they just beat? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, maybe it was, maybe it was Portland. I'm not sure. I just know. I saw that, that he, that he broke his foot. I think Hurt Gomez okay. like, tweeted something out, but that's a huge loss okay. for them. But I was really impressed with yeah. Monterey and some of the things they were doing. I, yeah, man, I don't know if I had to pick, I, I would say it'd, it'd probably be one of the Mexican giants. I would say probably Tigres. Um,
0: mm-hmm. but I
1: don't know, man, Nashville SC, you got to come through Nashville first.
0: There you go. <laughs> How about that? You could host. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, Let's switch gears a little bit. I want to touch on the U.S. women's national team and yep. the World Cup. And I want to start. Obviously, we're Monday morning QBs right now because it's all done. It's all done and dusted. But going through it in real time and seeing Carly Lloyd's comments, well, I guess first, you know, seeing their performances, which there was a lot, I think, in the buildup, I, that's the most negative criticism um hesitation about their performances hesitation or or concern within their their setup that i've ever seen a a u.s women's national team heading into a world cup receive um and clearly now here we are it seems rightfully so but after the game against vietnam the performance that they put out carly lloyd has a go at essentially their their mentality right um Seems to be warranted at this point, point. Um, and she kind of walked back her comments. You know, clarified she's got nothing but love for the team, which I didn't find anything wrong with what she said. Um, did right. you did you take offense to it? Did you think that she was out of line in in saying it? it I thought it was a very interesting response from both you know Vlaco and also from Lindsay Haran, where they you know yeah. commented specifically on it. Needed felt like they needed to comment specifically on it. But I guess Carly Lloyd's position also, she, you know, she maybe has earned that um, where, you know, they felt the need to to talk about it specifically, uh, yeah, especially I, in the middle of a World Cup. How did how did I've, you take all that?
1: I found it hard to take it seriously, honestly, even if she isn't wrong. So let's let's take, for instance, like the fact that, like, OK, maybe there's a, a little bit of truth to what she's saying, which it, I think when we look back now, we can say that, yeah, like there probably was an issue there. It's just hard to take it seriously when, like, I'm not really sure what kind of involvement Carly Lloyd has had in watching all of their games in the build-up to the World Cup. I'm not sure what kind of involvement she's had in terms of analyzing and, like, breaking their games down. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I know that Carly Lloyd has had some some very, like, polarizing things to say either while she was still playing. As a player. As a player or after she finished playing, right? And so... It's hard to take it seriously when you're not sure if the place is coming from Carly Lloyd being a little bit bitter about maybe her time on the national team, how it ended, or if it's coming from like a purely analytical standpoint. Do you know what I mean? Does that make sense? What I'm saying? I do
0: completely. No. So it's hard. So for
1: me, so for me, like instead of just saying, "Okay, this is why," then the women's national team. Are losing and it's strictly off the field and it's strictly mentality related i just i don't subscribe to that notion like can you give me a little bit more please and like i i want a little bit more nuance as to why this is affecting them and how that's manifesting itself on the field does that make sense because look dan full disclosure i was only able to watch the vietnam game the the mm-hmm. time for whatever reason that the kickoff times uh you know the kid like me having kids sure. like I, I, ha- right. I just wasn't able to watch as much of the women as I really wanted to and yeah. it just seemed like the analysis coming after the games was always about like mentality and a little bit tactical and a little well, bit what's going on off that, the field
0: yeah that that he made no subs which was yeah. a pretty significant point of contention Um, I just would have liked
1: to see a little bit more substance in the analysis of like what was actually transcribing, like what was actually transpiring on the field. Why are the U S women not dominating like they were in the past? You can say it's a mentality issue. That's fine, but that's only a part of it. That's not mm -hmm. the full story. Tell me what's happening on the field. Why are they struggling? Do you know what I mean? I didn't see that in the post game breakdown or analysis from them. So I found her comments. Look, I don't think she was wrong. But again, it's hard for, I I take it with a little bit of a grain of salt, if that makes sense.
0: No, I think it's fair. Um, one of the things that did stick out to me though was, and we've, we've had a little bit of banter about this, but the fact that they were celebrating, players were celebrating after the game, advancing yeah. out of the group stage in a, what I would, I would feel comfortable in calling a pretty poor performance that is not. Emblematic of sure. what they want to put out, um, sure. Which I think I, I've been, at least in my own conversations, pretty critical of that mentality. Because if you are the best in the world, and that's that's the mantle that you want to be on, and, and that's the crown that you want to wear, and you are telling everybody that this is who we are and we should be that, I don't see, and I don't, I don't subscribe to the fact that you should be celebrating a group stage departure when. Yep. Your goal is to win your third world cup in a row i don't I don't even see any way shape or form that that goes into the mentality of a real top notch top level elite class of winners and that was something that did stick out for me
1: yeah I think that's a fair point honestly because the u s women they should and they do carry themselves like the best in the world they've mm-hmm. proven that time and time again but I agree with you man i it's hard for me to comment on the performance specifically because I didn't watch. So I don't want to talk about things that I have no idea what I'm looking at. But yeah. the in general, the commentary on their performances was that they were very bad and they were mm-hmm. not up to the standard that this team has set for the last couple of years. And so there's a balance to be had. And I think that that word needs to be underlined. If you want to show... And you want to put on a brave face of positivity, of confidence. There's a balance to be had between that and arrogance. And maybe looking a little bit too overconfident, right? Because like mm-hmm. you said, the standard for this team is not just getting out of the group stage. And for better or worse, they have put those expectations and those standards on themselves. So I agree with you. The The images of them, I don't, I don't have any issues with, by the way them taking pictures with fans, no one should have an issue with that. You're you're, you're allowed to show your fans some love, okay? Absolutely. All the the dancing and celebrating and... Look, was it a a little bit much for me? Yeah, it was. But at the end of the day, I understand wanting to be positive. I understand wanting to try to to put lipstick on a pig, if you will. Because we know Mm -hmm. from the analysis that the performances weren't great, right? But... Mm-hmm. Guess what? You get through the, the group stage, that's a whole nother tournament. You can completely, not completely eliminate the performances, but you can fix some things. And by all accounts, the women played much better in their in the knockout round game, right? They did. And they, and they, 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 play, they played much they, better against Sweden and they probably they were, were hard done by to lose. So that's where that's where I'm like, hey, let's just try to find a balance here, ladies. Like be happy celebrate in the locker room that you've advanced but like hey like let's let's keep our make sure that everyone knows that like yes our standards are high and we're not happy with our performance do you know what i mean like that's kind of where i stand on that thing
0: yeah just it did seem a bit out of character for arguably one of the best teams in in the history of sports um and kind of the way that they decided to do that, or and maybe it wasn't a decision. Maybe they were also needing to psych themselves up. And, that's but that's and my point. Manu- right? Manufacture emotion, manufacture it, a, a good positive feeling. But you could—it's exactly it. It just felt—I don't know—felt off. It, yep. it did feel off, and, and that's off fair too.
1: Yeah. No, listen, I, 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 you know me, Dan. I'm I'm right about a lot of things. <laughs> I, I have to hold my hand up. All right, um, I was wrong hey, about. Listen, it's a cross uh, that you
0: wear. You know, it's what are you
1: it's do? it's my it's my burden to bear. All right, <laughs> I was wrong about them three peating. I really did think that they were going to go, and I said it on. the... I actually listened to what I said on the last pod. I said it was not going to be straightforward, and it was not going to be easy, and it was going to look different than it's looked in the past. But I think in general, women's soccer, and I said this on the last pod, women's soccer. Is getting better globally because the investment is starting to catch up with what the US, what Nike, what US soccer has invested in the women. And I think mm-hmm. that's 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 pretty clear to see. So I think this is a really it's it's a bummer in the moment. I feel terrible for the women. And I, I was very upset that they didn't advance because you see some of the images that come out, right? Of of, you know. There's, there's tears, there's emotion. Some of the legends of, of, of this team are going to be moving on, and I think there's going to be more of a changing of the guard coming in, in the future. And you know For what? sure. Maybe this result can be like, like the men's Kuva, right? When we didn't make the World Cup, and there was a total correction and reorganization and rethinking yeah. of what it meant to run the national team and what direction it goes. And I think that this could be maybe a little bit of that moment for the women too. So look, I I see the talent on the team. I have no doubt that the women are going to still continue to be one of the best teams in the world and a favorite to win the next World Cup in four years. Um, But I'll be curious to see what direction they end up going.
0: Yeah, it's going to be interesting because, I mean, the most significant badasses on that team, Lindsey Horan, uh, Rose LaBelle, Julie Ertz, like they're all 28, 29, 30, 31. So yep. for like the next World Cup cycle, it, you know, I, I don't know. They it's going to be it's going to be an interesting next few years about how they cycle through that. I also didn't really understand why Julie Ertz was ever really a question mark on that team. Like she's yeah. she's incredible she's and she's stud. also 31. Like yep. she's, she's legit. I think I think um, they
1: build I I think they build from what I saw you build around Naomi Gurma, is it, the center back? She was fantastic. Yeah. I think yeah. you build I think you build Sophia around Smith's a player. I think like you build you got, around you Rose Lavelle and Sophia Smith. Those three players, I think those are your building blocks for the future. And then, you know, you get a few of these players back that had some unfortunate injuries. I think it was Mallory Swanson, was it? Um mm-hmm. I saw her play live in in Nashville and I was really impressed with her. I think she's going to I think she's an absolute baller. So, I know the women'll they'll, they'll bounce back. Uh, I know everyone's upset they're out. and um you know we'll 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 see where they go from here. but uh, yeah, yeah, well, I'll,
0: let's let's finish up with a little love for your Nashville s c listeners and peeps um and kind of revisit one of those one of the questions that came out of our talk at the uh, at the top of this podcast. I want you to talk a little bit about just the messaging that was in the meetings that you've had with Gary. I think Gary is is, Gary Smith's an an interesting coach. He's an interesting profile. He's a bit of an enigma from, you know, how maybe he's just transitioned or transformed himself from what his profile was in Colorado to now what his profile is as a leader in, in Nashville. Like, you know, talk through, you guys are, you guys are a really good team and You, you run into a little bit of adversity, but you know, you mentioned specifically having some really good meetings. What did those meetings look like? Yeah. Let us in on a little bit of that.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think those, I, I, I don't want to, I'm not, I'm not going to empty the tea on, on what the boys are talking about in the locker room. But what I will say is this, Dan, when you have a very veteran team, which we do, sometimes you need to have guys that are not afraid to have hard conversations. And mm-hmm. I think that we've, been able to, to, to hold such a high standard at Nashville SC in terms of always being competitive and always, you know, making the playoffs. And now what's another level we can take it to? Because that, that was the minimum, right? Now we want to continue to raise our level and continue to fight for trophies at an even higher level. When you have that, when you go through a month like we went through, right, where we had had some uncharacteristic red cards, we were losing games. We were conceding goals in ways that that we don't normally concede goals. You need to have guys step up and be counted, right? And that I think starts mm-hmm. with the leaders. I think that starts with the veteran players on the team, and it starts with you know your your stars. And so we've had some really really great conversations. We've had some really open um, discussions about what our standards look like and how we need to continue to have those be as high as possible because that mm-hmm. is what is going to lead us to success, right? So yeah, it's 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 been it's been really good with the coaching staff. There's never any panic, which is what I really like about Gary. Um, there's mm-hmm. there's never any panic in, in in that coach's office, and I think that manifests itself throughout the players. And so yeah, um, it's been they've been really mature conversations and just ways of of figuring out how you get through a tough stretch. Because let's be honest, we haven't had many tough stretches in our existence. You know, we've been pretty steady for most of, of the time that we've been in MLS. And so I think that's a testament to, um, our front office and, you know, the players that they've been able to bring in and the team that they've been able to build. And of course our coaching staff and, and, you know, the leadership of Gary Smith.
0: That's pretty cool, man. And then, you know, it goes out and it manifests itself in a really difficult game against Cincinnati where you get the result and go to PKs and and make it a little bit more interesting. And, and you can kind of lean back on, not only those conversations, but then ultimately Absolutely. the result. So, Absolutely. Yeah, that's great. It's good to hear it. It's good to see it. Uh, that'll do it for us here at Major League Journeymen. Maybe uh, Gordo will send us a smoke signal from, from Maybe the he'll send Maybe he'll in, send
1: us a postcard. <laughs>
0: or the desert, wherever <laughs> he is. Uh, good to see you, Dax. Thanks for checking in, and we will be back uh, next week. Adios.